Back to throw to Patrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Perfect touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. What's up, guys? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we heard from the man himself, the Dolphins general manager, Chris Greer, in his annual April presser, talking all things draft, some notes on the quarterbacks, injury analytics, and how the Dolphins' free agency played into their draft plans, plus your mailbag questions, all of that and more on this Thursday, April the 16th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we are going to start off the top first thing here with Chris Greer's media availability, which was on Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock. We're coming to you right after that press conference with notes. You can check out the article up on MiamiDolphins.com to get a written look, a transcribed look at what Chris Greer said at his football media availability for this year's draft. Next Thursday, the Dolphins have 14 picks in that draft, obviously starting with the fifth pick in the draft. And we start with the quote from the Dolphins general manager that I think was was the most noteworthy in terms of what they do in this process with all the things that you can possibly use to evaluate players. It's all important, obviously, but Chris Greer said there was one thing that stood out above the rest when it comes to player evaluation. Uh, the tape really tells you what the player is, and then uh, the combine and all the other stuff, is, uh, you know, maybe uh, gives you a little uh, bit clearer picture, but at the end of the day, it's what the guys do on film. As the old adage says, the film never lies, the tape never lies, the eye in the sky never lies. However you want to phrase it, the film is the most important. Now, the next question I thought was really good for Chris Greer was about the Dolphins analytics department and how they can basically try to predict future injuries for players with their medical concerns and how it's been kind of different this time around with the COVID-19 situation. Obviously, the Dolphins' personnel and staff can't be together physically. They are communicating through Zoom and digital technology that way, but not being around each other. And Greer did talk about the Dolphins' analytics department and what they do with their injury prediction models. Uh, yes, we do have uh, analytics uh, department that do have injury uh, predictions. And, um, again, it's football is a violent sport. Uh, we do the best we can. Uh, you know, I've been in this for a long time. I've been around good players that were never hurt, you know, uh, like Jake Long, for instance, back in the day, and uh, then the players that was in New England, we drafted Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin was always hurt and basically never missed a game in New England. So um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of where our guys are graded, guys, I'm not going to get into that. But, yes, we do a lot of studies on that. Um, Kyle Johnston and our uh, doctor staff have done a lot of work on, on every player, and uh, they've done a fantastic job. And, uh, and it kind of tailed off there towards the end, but you might have heard him say they are going to proceed as normal. And that was kind of the theme of this entire press conference was his insistence that things are going to proceed as normal, even though they're not going to be physically around each other different technologies of communication and that word communication was the key not just in this situation but how this entire program functions based upon the strong communication they believe they have whether it's Flores and Greer or Greer with Marvin Allen or Greer with his scouting staff and his area scouts it's an entire collaboration and the communication has to be on point it's the key says Chris Greer 
Now, another issue that was brought up, or a question, I should say, that was brought up to Chris Greer was about some of the learning experiences from previous moves, especially in the quarterback room, and that gave Greer a good chance to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz was, you know, um, like we've talked about, you know, at nauseum, you know, what he's done for the locker room, the veteran presence, uh, type of person he is, um, you know, and the impact he's had in the locker room there with the younger players and veterans. That galvanizing force is impactful, not just for the rookies, but also for the veterans in that locker room as they gravitate towards Ryan Fitzpatrick in the huddle, in the locker room, on the football field. He was the right guy for the job and the type of player the Dolphins want in this locker room, whether it's quarterback or another position. And to go back to the previous point about the key of communication, I had a chance to ask Chris Greer about how they've been able to find so many gems, whether it was undrafted or on the third day of the draft with all those fifth round draft pick successes they have had under Chris Greer. Here is that question and answer. Yeah. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the success you've had on day three, finding both contributors and starters on the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. And even last year, specifically with some undrafted free agents, what has been the key to kind of uncovering some of those late round gems? And has the process for doing so changed at all, given the current state of things with the virus and the shutdown? Yeah, no, um, we're going to go our same processes as we've done things. I think uh, our scouts have done a great job as well as coaching staff. And, and again, we always talk about the communication. That's really key because uh, when you get those guys in the back end, it's the coaches and scouts on the same page and everyone's, you know, uh, on the phone calls, talking to players and identifying the, the players that we think can help us or we see something that has upside for us uh, to develop. So for us, it's uh, the process is uh, the same as always. Again, it's the communication. The coaches and scouts uh, have done a great job here for us. Uh, they've worked extremely hard on the communication, and, uh, and, and so that's always the key. And then it's the relationships you have with agents as well. That always helps, and uh, um, and, if, and I think our track record, as you said, in terms of playing the young players, and Brian is committed to giving people the opportunity, and people earn their shot here, and I think that's an exciting thing for uh, you know, free agents when they come here. They know they're going to have a chance to make a roster and play. And those last few words were the, the chance to make a roster for an undrafted free agent's an attractive idea. And Brian Flores is willing to give anybody a chance as long as they're willing to work for it and willing to earn that spot. So a great answer there from Chris Greer. Now, as far as what the Dolphins might want to do with the fifth pick in the draft, how many players are they comfortable with taking in that spot? Chris Greer talked about that as well. Every year, um, we know the, the joke is uh, around the scouting world is, you know, if you're picking 12, there's always 10 that you like, <laughs> you know. So it's, uh, you know, we're at five, but there's, uh, we feel really uh, good about probably eight or nine players there we feel really good about. So uh, we'll get a good player and we'll be there. So eight or nine players they feel comfortable with in that spot at the fifth pick in the draft. As far as who that might be, I'll leave it up to you guys, the fans, to debate that. Really a lot of good stuff at this press conference. I have one more sound clip for you guys. I'll play that here in just one second. But he talked about the quarterback position, the film, how it doesn't lie. It's a big part of the process, bigger than the combine. The rest of the stuff, the injuries and analytic department they're going to have in place to make decisions on players with medical concerns. How it hasn't been much different for him in terms of physical location, the communication with he and his staff. 
He did make a hilarious point at one point of the presser where somebody asked him what he's going to do with the fifth pick, and he mentions that his family and people at the grocery store, even his pest control guy, have been asking him, who are we picking at number five? So he had some fun in that way, but of course, obviously, only he and Brian Flores know the answer to that question. He did acknowledge the passionate fan base of the Miami Dolphins, and you love to hear that because from my perspective, my vantage point on Twitter, seeing all the responses we get, this fan base does care, and they do love this team. And I do believe that is a big aspect, a big uh, portion of making a successful team. You got to have the people there that love the team and support the team. And that's why they put this thing on for all of us. So he acknowledges that. That's great to hear. And I'm sure many of you are curious to hear about Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, and the other top quarterbacks. He was asked about them, but he also makes it a point that he's not going to give you all of his draft intel. But he did say that Tua and Justin are both good people. They're good players. They've both won a lot of games. And he mentions the Dolphins has spent a lot of time on all the top players in this year's draft, regardless of the position. And we talk all the time about collaboration on this stuff. He did point to several people on his staff about how the area scouts are the ones that get to go to schools three or four times a year at least, and they get to be around these players more, where they're national guys, they're executive guys, like a national scout like Marvin Allum. Marvin Allen or Adam Ingroff or Matt Winston or or Ron Brockington, guys like Chris Greer himself, only go to a school once for a day. They work there and the area scouts are there three, four, five, six times throughout the course of the year. Those guys putting in the countless hours on the road. So we are definitely grateful and thankful for the area scouts of the Miami Dolphins and the hard work they really do. And the last sound clip I do want to play for you guys is about the free agency period and how that works in tandem with the draft and how the Dolphins had a holistic vision to kind of put this thing together where you can attack certain spots in free agency where maybe you think the draft might be a little bit weaker than in other years or other positions offer you. I love that mode of thinking. Here's Chris Greer on that thought with the draft and free agency and how they play together. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with us specifically, too, we're, uh, again, like we've talked about, finding the right types of players for our organization. Uh, you know, again, we didn't want to go older players. You know, we went a lot of guys that were uh, the younger, the, you know, 25 to 27, 28. Uh, but guys have been winners, guys that are great locker room guys, mentors. So we're not such a young team. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were a little more active than we have been in the past. Uh, we wanted volume of guys, but especially not knowing where we're going to be here in the future. Um, we need guys that can help these young guys transition and learn and, and get on board as fast as they can in terms of uh, learning the defense, preparing. So uh, having guys that had some familiarity with uh, Brian and, and stuff was, was really important. So, And when you do free agents, you always have an eye of looking at the strengths and weaknesses of the draft. So. You know, we tried to address some places that we thought uh, could help us this, uh, you know, in terms of free agency with the roster and then what we do the draft to help you know, continue to build the roster. We appreciate your patience on these podcasts because these are being conducted over Zoom. And so Chris kind of fades out towards the end of those answers a little bit at times. But basically what he said there was that the importance of free agency and draft and the draft working together was how you can build your roster in tandem using both of those avenues to help build the football team so free agency is step one and then you have spots in the draft you can go back and attack later that maybe you feel like you need to bolster your roster that way too so it's a holistic vision a holistic approach to get the best 53 guys on the field whether it's free agents whether it's trades whether it's the draft whether it's undrafted guys there are many ways to build a football team and Chris Greer subscribes to that idea as well 
So really fun press conference, really enlightening on some areas of this football team, the way they build this, how they're going to be consistent in their communication, how they're going to draft this and get guys that fit the program, the guys they want in the building. And on top of all of that, I know football is kind of the thing that gets us distracted right now during this time of year, but Chris did a great job of addressing the COVID-19 situation and thanking all the first responders, those that are on the front lines of handling this crisis and working so very hard to get things back to the way they were in terms of things being up and running and getting people health healthy and safe. And that's the most important thing. He talked about that on behalf of the entire Miami Dolphins organization. So good on you, Chris. Good press conference. Plenty of good content. Again, go check out the article up on MiamiDolphins.com covering that presser with Chris Greer. We have plenty of draft preview content for you guys up on the website as well, taking a look at each position by position, breaking it down ahead of next week's NFL draft on Thursday and our own virtual draft with the Miami Dolphins social medias. And let's go ahead and transition now into a segment that we kind of buried a while back and haven't gotten into, but with the draft just one week away, I think this is a great spot to go ahead and get back into the mailbag, get your questions on this draft, on this Miami Dolphins football team. And I had pre-recorded these mailbag questions, and for some reason, I lost the audio clip on where I had the person that asked this first question, but I'm just going to go ahead and run back through what the question was here real quick before I answer it. The question was basically about which positions have better value or carry more weight on the roster over other positions on the roster, specifically on the offensive side of the football, and this was my answer. I think you obviously always start with the quarterback position because they touch the ball every single play. They get the communication into the huddle. They lead the offense. They are the quote-unquote leader of the football team in general. So you'll obviously always start with the quarterback, but you're not going to put other the other 21 positions on the field you're not going to dock them because of that every person on the roster has to be able to contribute has to be able to find a way to make an impact on the football team in the way they prepare in the way they work in the way they contribute on game day so I wouldn't expect any specific value to be placed on specific positions over others in this draft class now some general managers some teams some executives have positions they believe do serve as more of a core pillar but I think that every position really is going to matter to help execute the vision of this team to help build the team of sustained success that Steven Ross wants because you look at the defensive side of the football and free agency we talked about this on the film study recaps of those players on defense and there were so many guys that worked well in tandem together with Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba using the length and power off the edge to create rush opportunities for guys like Kyle Van Noy or Kamu Gruje Hill or creating space on the inside with the run defense with Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and all the dudes up front for guys like Eland and Roberts to come downhill and make tackles as a run defender. So it's all complementary of one another, and there really isn't one position more important than the next. You got to build a 53-man roster because as they say, and I'm not usually a fan of cliches and tropes, but I do believe in this one, you're as strong as your weakest link. Your 53rd man on the roster better be able to contribute in some form or fashion. Next question here comes in from Pat. He's at Patty Perk on Twitter. Who is the funniest person that works for the Dolphins? No players or no coaches. Well, you say no coaches. I would say Coach Alexander's Twitter timeline is the best you're going to find out there. He always has hilarious videos and he's breaking them down like a football coach because of course, why wouldn't he? But in terms of players or non-players and non-coaches, I should say, I'm going to go with Surf Melendez only because... He has this idea that I somehow have some kind of velvety radio voice. Every time we have a phone call or a team meeting, he always says, is that the velvety voice of Travis Wingfield? And I'll take that compliment all day, 
but I don't think I necessarily have the classic ideal radio voice, so he always cracks me up. He's always full of energy and life and enthusiasm, and those are the kind of people you want to be around. So I love hearing that from the surf. He's hilarious. And you also got to go check out Eric Todorov's TikTok account. He's always breaking out some kind of new dance move, something that I have no idea what he's doing. But apparently, that's all the rage these days. So check out Todorov's TikTok. He's pretty good on there as well. Next question from Chris Murray at MurrayC89. What are the chances of Miami using pick number five on the best player available instead of the of the needed quarterback to then trade up from six to 18 with a package of the Chargers knowing they also need a quarterback? Well, the second half of that question would just be pure speculation because nobody really knows how many trades or what's going to happen come draft day with regards to how the board stacks up. But in, as far as your first question goes and the likelihood of Miami taking the best player on their board, I think that's what they'll do because that has been the mode, the MO of Brian Flores and Chris Greer so far here in the year and a half they've worked together in Miami. They want to build this roster out the best way they can each and every single day trademark. Whether it's on the draft, free agency, in-season waiver wire claims, they're always going to be scouring what's out there, what's available. And if they can make an upgrade to the 53-man roster, they're going to do it. So the best value you have at pick number five, a portion of the draft that typically is reserved for the blue chip players coming into the league, I think it would be foolish to do anything besides take your best player on your board because you do that enough over time. And this goes back to Miami's approach the entire last season. If you make enough moves that give you plus value as far as market value, then you do that enough times over the course of a year, two year, five years, you're going to wind up having a very strong roster that can breed consistency and breed success based upon its own program. And that's what Brian Flores wants to install. We got another BPA question here from Steve. He's at one Steve Hallett. I've met Steve at Hard Rock Stadium, so I wanted to go ahead and give you a shout out, Steve, but you kind of asked the same question as Chris. So yes, I do believe BPA is very much in play regardless of what side of the ball the Dolphins do want to draft. Next question from Dolphins Argentina at Fins Up Arge as an ARG. Do you see Miami sending some of those sixth and seventh round picks to get into the mid rounds and which would be great value players for Miami in those rounds? Great to have your mailbags back. Well, I appreciate that. Sir Argentina of Dolphins representing us down there in South America. But the thing about those late round draft picks is they don't really carry a whole lot of value if you're going off the traditional Jimmy Johnson trade value chart. I know it's outdated, but it's really all we have to go off of as fans and people that are not plugged into the actual inner workings of an NFL front office and trades and all that stuff. So the value of those later picks, it's going to be tough to get really any much higher than the sixth or seventh round with those with those draft picks. Now, I don't think that rules out the chance of Miami making some moves up and down this draft board. That was the whole idea, right? To be flexible with filling out needs and free agency, getting as many draft picks and making it so when it comes to draft day, you can work up the board or you can work back down the board. Now, we've had several guests, several draft experts on this podcast who insist that you can get up into the top 100, 125, maybe even 150 spots of this draft and still find good value and good talent in those spots. So I think it's definitely worth exploring if you want to round out some maybe more rotational players, role players, like a guy that lines up over the nose tackle and gives you those 200, 300 reps as the nose, the zero technique. Or if you want to get a guy who can play some backup linebacker and special teams ace. And of course, I'm just spitballing about random 
them options. You really can do that with any position, any group at that stage of the draft. And that's how you hit those picks is to make guys or to get guys rather that can contribute in some form or fashion. So I think there's definitely a chance the Dolphins could get back into that range because of, like you mentioned, the glut of those draft picks. But you also have to keep in mind the successes last year of finding guys in the sixth and seventh round, finding undrafted free agents like Nick Needham, like Preston Williams, like the in-season waiver wire claims of a guy like Zach Sealer, of a guy like Tay Hayes down the stretch. Finding guys that can contribute is not just a specific portion of the draft or a specific portion of the offseason. It's a 365-day-per-year job, and Brian Flores and Chris Greer to date have done a very good job of making that happen. Next question comes from the commish at Kyle the commish. Top four tackles are gone, and let's just say offensive tackle is the pick at 18. Who is the best fit for the Miami Dolphins between Ezra Cleveland, Austin Jackson, Josh Jones, and Prince Tega Wanagu? Well, first of all, the first four tackles you're talking about, I would assume, are Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and Jedrick Wills from Alabama. And most mock drafts do have those four guys coming off the board pretty quickly. But as far as the next group of guys you have there, I think the upside here is that there is a good second tier of offensive tackles or perceived second tier of offensive tackles with regards to how NFL.com or ESPN or the Draft Network, whoever you look at out there, how they might stack this class. And the thing I like about that group is there are so many guys that are big athletic players that really have a lot of upside at the next level, whether it's Austin Jackson, who didn't have much of an offseason last year because of the blood or the bone marrow transfusion with his sister, rather. Ezra Cleveland has great athletic ability out of Boise State. Josh Jones had that really good senior bowl at left tackle. He looks to have a lot of upside as a pass protector there at left tackle. So, I can't speak to what position the Dolphins might go after at that spot, but I do think the ultimate takeaway is that you have a good glut of players there that you could choose from, whether it's 18, 26, 39, you're going to get a crack at some good football players at all three of those spots. Next question here from Stephen F at SPF underscore rip. Will you be doing any video breakdown of the team's picks after the draft? Well, I do have plenty of video content loaded up on my timeline from before my time with the Miami Dolphins. So we do have tons of content on my Twitter timeline. We do have John Congemi's video breakdowns. I know that a lot of folks are missing the video breakdowns that I do. The problem is, is that I'm not there in Miami yet, haven't moved across the country to make that happen. So I don't have the access to the video team to make things happen right away. But we are going to get some of that going once I get to Miami. With regards to this year's draft class, we are going to have this thing covered wall to wall. It's going to be a whole lot like free agency where we have the written piece giving you the breakdowns of the player's skill set, the quotes about players and coaches that have been around these guys, the numbers, the raw data on them, the scouting notes. We're also going to have them on the podcast to interview them and talk about their excitement for joining the Miami Dolphins, what they bring to the Miami Dolphins. We're going to have tons of great content here on MiamiDolphins.com, on the Drive Time podcast, the Audible podcast, the social medias. We're going to have it covered for you guys wall to wall. Next question here from Pedro Dade at Highway Legend on Twitter. How involved is Chan Gailey in the draft process? Well, there are many layers to the answer to that question because you go back to Brian Flores' introduction press conference with the Miami Dolphins and his quote was something to the effect of, look, 
I didn't have to take any job. I was already in a good position where I was. So it was important for me to be able to go to a situation where I thought everybody was aligned in their vision because if they're not aligned in that vision, it's just not going to work. So with that in mind, it's going to be a collaborative process for the Miami Dolphins, whether it's executives, whether it's the director of college scouting, the director of pro personnel, whether it's the scouts, the area scouts, the coaching staff, Chris Greer, Brian Flores, Everybody has a hand in the process. And so Gailey, he's going to have a specific offense he wants to run. Now, what kind of offense is that? To be perfectly frank with you, I don't know. Because last year, we had some good breadcrumbs to go off of with Brian Flores' defense. Even though it was super multiple and super complex and very versatile and could basically change week to week, we had an idea what kind of schemes he wanted to run with Chan Gailey. Now, this guy's been in football since the beginning of time, but he's ran every system under the sun. So I think they're going to find a way to best fit the personnel or best fit the offensive system rather to the personnel they get. So perhaps that gives them a bit of an advantage in the draft where they can just pick the guy they think is the best player at that position and then mold the scheme around that player. So he'll be involved to what degree? No clue. But I think everybody in the organization from a football standpoint is involved in the entire draft process. Next question here from Steve Donofiro Jr. at Donoff underscore Jr. on Twitter. Antonio Gibson, running back Memphis. His tape is unreal. How is he so overlooked? Well, the question with a player like Gibson, and this really is true of many players that come into the draft, and it's not so much anymore as it was in the past, but it still is a thing. Guys that don't have a true home position, guys that play multiple spots, it can sometimes dampen their draft stock heading into the draft, even though maybe it's not always justified. Like for instance, Derwin James goes pick 17 to the Chargers a few years back. That guy was one of the top 10 players in that draft class, in my opinion. But because maybe not every defensive coordinator in the NFL had the plan for how to get the most out of Derwin James, he falls to number 17. And with Antonio Gibson, this guy can run, he can catch, he can do a little bit of everything. So he's a part of both phases of the offense. But some scouts, maybe some personnel people might view that as a master of none issue and dock him for that. So that could be why he falls, but I agree with you. His tape is a lot of fun, very explosive player, and gives you a lot as a pass catcher there as well. Next question here from Anthony Field at AntField89 on Twitter. If we draft a left-handed quarterback, does right tackle become more important than left tackle? I don't necessarily subscribe to that anymore. I think both positions tend to be a little bit agnostic in terms of how important one is over the other. You just look at this year's draft class. Jedrick Wills played right tackle at Alabama. Tristan Wirfs played right tackle last year for Iowa. You have Makai Becton that played left tackle, but he also played some right tackle at Louisville. All these guys can play multiple spots, and it used to be the left tackle's protected the quarterback's blind side and that's where all the best pass rushers went but that's a very antiquated approach to the game as well too because at one point you had Cameron Wake lining up over the right tackle every single snap you had Julius Peppers over there and so the more pass rushers became prevalent on either side of the formation you had to be able to block those guys up anyway so I don't think the blind side is necessarily as big of a deal as it used to be I think either way you're going to want good tackles for your young quarterback as he comes into the league 
All right, that's a good spot to button this thing up. We are just one week away from the NFL Draft. Don't forget to check out tomorrow's episode of the Drive Time Podcast, Chad Pennington on the 2008 Wildcat game. It was a great interview, kind of a cool experience for me to talk to him growing up watching the Dolphins and that game and that team in that 2008 season. Do not forget to check out the virtual Dolphins Draft. Sign up on Facebook today. All the content on YouTube, on our social media channels, and go ahead and subscribe to the Drive Time Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a five-star review. If you like the show, it helps me out big time. Really appreciate that. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. And of course, check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast and MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.